Mr. Markey. Mr. McCain. Mrs. McCaskill. This skinny repeal bill dead. is dead. This whole process is thrown up into com in complete chaos. Welcome to Off Message. I'm Isaac Dovere. Today's guest, Cecile Richards, president of the Planned Parenthood Action Fund and Planned Parenthood Federation of America. She's not a politician herself, but she and Planned Parenthood have taken on an outsized role in the debates happening, and along the way, developed an outsized influence on how they end up. Look at what happened with the Obamacare fight. Yes, John McCain was the deciding vote that killed the chances of repeal in the Senate, but he could only have been the deciding vote because Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins were already voting no, driven in large part by their rejection of the attempts to include stripping away Planned Parenthood funding. They didn't support that, and neither did a lot of the people who were activated to protest it, in person, over the phone, over email. Would Obamacare repeal have passed without the Planned Parenthood provision? When I sat down with her in her office at the Planned Parenthood headquarters in downtown Manhattan, she told me she's not sure. But then, Democrats got right into their own abortion fight, with the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee chair, New Mexico Congressman Ben Ray Lujan, saying that he doesn't want the issue of choice to be a determining factor for Democrats running. This gets at a struggle that Democrats are going through in a much larger way, and which you can read about more fully in the off-message story on our site that's about this interview. But you can start by hearing what Richards had to say about that herself. And then there's the Trump White House official that she told me, yeah, maybe she should put in another call too. Remember to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and every other platform you're listening with. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook, at Isaac Dover, and email me your thoughts and suggestions, and I'll make sure to write you back. And now, my conversation with Cecile Richards. So when you come off the Obamacare fight and the Planned Parenthood funding fight that was so much part of it, uh, and you see what Ben Ray Lujan has said uh, now about that uh, he'll be welcoming of pro-life candidates, what does that make you think? Well, I... I think historically, and what I was worried actually, I, even after the after that incredible win uh, the other night in the United States Senate, is that the full story wouldn't be told, which was really, to me, the story was women had made an enormous difference. In fact, two Republican women had stood up uh, for months against their own party and against their own caucus to stand up not only for Planned Parenthood, but for women's health care. And of course, the vast majority of folks who'd called Congress had been women, the vast majority of people who'd gone to town hall meetings, and yet the narrative was Senator John McCain, who I'm grateful for his vote, but he was sort of the last, he was, he was the 24th hour. These were folks who were like hours one through 23. I hope that folks, not only in the Democratic Party, but all across the country recognize not only the impact of these decisions on women, but the fact that women actually uh, changed the course of what was, what was going to happen in Congress. And uh, so, yeah, huge disappointment in that regard. Uh, but Planned Parenthood, you know, we're a nonpartisan organization. We fight for candidates who support women's health and rights and will regardless of their party. And uh, But it was quite a contrast. So, I mean, it, does he just not get it, do you think? Do, is this a problem that the DCCC leadership is looking at the political moment that's in front of them and saying we have to veer toward what, I guess, in their sense is moderates and centrists? I have no idea what's in his mind. I haven't talked talk to him, but 
it's a shocking sort of misunderstanding of actually both where the country's at, which is overwhelmingly supportive of abortion rights, uh, and also who, who are the ground troops that kind of fuel the election of candidates? You know, you cannot get elected in this country without the support of women. And that means women from all different stripes and all different parties. And I also think that one of the things that fundamentally perhaps he's missing is there's a very different people can distinguish between their own personal feelings and then what they believe government or politicians should do. And people, even in some of the most conservative areas of the country, who made themselves personally say, I would never choose to have an abortion or that's not something that that is right for me, also absolutely do not believe politicians should be making decisions about pregnancy for women. And that's essentially what we're talking about. So I think he's totally wrong. And believe me, I'll use every opportunity to convince him of that. Uh, And you know, it's funny, I was actually just, I was on the phone with some women from Tennessee the other day. One of them is a, she's a former state representative, older woman, and she said, uh, um, I don't know how the Democratic Party thinks that they'll be able to elect anybody if they don't stand for anything. And so I, I think the danger of his remarks are not only sort of uh, maybe tactically uh, not well thought out, but they send a terrible message to people across the country about sort of the lack of principles that perhaps some people in the Democratic Party, um, you know, stand up about. It seems like Lujan is thinking about chasing moderates and centrists, but you also had a couple months ago Bernie Sanders saying that he didn't think that this should be uh, an issue that uh, was a decisive issue. Yeah, I mean, look, I've had many conversations with Senator Sanders since then, and I think we, I think he understands the importance of this. This is an important issue for women. And look, here's, look, I come from Texas, so... I feel very strongly about the fact that you, a constitutional right doesn't mean anything if you can only get it in certain states. And so to me, the right of women in Texas to make their own decisions about their pregnancies is just as important as for a woman in New York or anywhere else. And in fact, they need our support perhaps even more. And so that's why, I think, you know, I hope he's wrong. I don't think, I think it's, I, it's rare to see a candidate these days be successful because they oppose access to safe and legal abortion. Uh, and in fact, if, if candidates who are are usually elected despite that fact, not because of it. Yeah, you have here, and you mentioned Texas. You've got a picture of a former governor of Texas hanging over your desk there. Uh, That's right. <laughs> I got a few of those, yes. Your mom. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you, you make the, the point of where the country is in a different way on on reproductive rights, on abortion rights. What do you think is going on that Republicans in Washington, Republicans uh, who are trying to get to Washington, are still every time returning to Planned Parenthood funding and making this an issue? I think it's because, the, frankly, the Republican Party and the primary process, the nominating process, is now controlled by the most extreme wing of the party, I can tell you, I mean, we have Republicans who started Planned Parenthood. We have Republican patients, staff, board members, donors. They absolutely can't figure out what's going on. And I, I, they don't feel represented by their party on this issue. And if you look back at what I think of as, you know, the traditional conservative Republicans, it was very much, you know, government stay out of my private life, my personal life. That's actually where I believe America is as well. And Again, um, it's not to say that people don't have different 
personal opinions about these issues. They simply don't believe the government is the right place to be making these decisions. And defunding Planned Parenthood is wildly unpopular. That's it was, but, but I mean, people have the same sense of constitutional rights and everything uh, in years past. It does feel like the country has moved, at least according to the opinion polls that we see all over the place, every poll, uh, that despite the constitutional rights stuff being maybe the same or even in stronger ways and for some people that uh, support for abortion rights has moved in the country uh, much more uh, towards it, right? Yes. I mean, we now have – I mean, it's just, it's really interesting right now, and I think pro- – Probably because these issues are being now litigated in the in Congress in a, or it's sort of in, in the news in a new way. You know, we have the lowest rate of teenage pregnancy that we've had in our entire country's history. We have a 30-year low for unintended pregnancy among women in general. We have the lowest rate of abortion since Roe was decided. So the, actually the country is moving in a direction of the better access to, to health care, better access to preventive care less unintended pregnancy, and the country is now more supportive of Roe than they have ever been, I, I think that's a generational shift And that, I, you know, once you have a right for more than 40 years, people begin to assume that that's actually right. established law. And I believe certainly under the last eight years under President Obama, we did a better job of getting health care to women, uh, making perhaps making abortion less necessary, getting uh, unintended pregnancy rates down. And that's just common sense to people of all political parties. I mean, we. we I mean, it feels like in a way this debate is sort of stuck in time in the '80s and '90s when it comes to the way it's debated in Washington. I believe that's right. I believe that's right. And you know, it's interesting. We did a we did a focus group with some of our patients uh, who are Trump voters, and they are they are amazed when you tell them that actually. President Trump wants to defund Planned Parenthood. They're like, well, that's never what he said. In fact, he said he liked Planned Parenthood. In fact, and, and, and I mean, that like, is what he said. That right? is what he said. And he said, like, they said, like, where, where are we supposed to go to for health care now? Because interestingly, you know, women that come to us for health care, particularly in all of these Midwestern states where Planned Parenthood is, you know, in many communities that there, where there's no other women's health care provider, women are like, where am I supposed to go? That's my only affordable health care. And for many of these women, we're, we are their doctor, you know, and they're trying to figure out why would a politician, either President Trump or a member of Congress, try to try to get rid of access to this only source of affordable health care that I have? Uh, it seems like from, from what I've seen from Planned Parenthood and uh, other comments that uh, you would probably feel like if the Planned Parenthood funding had not been in uh, every version of the Obamacare repeal effort, uh, that maybe there would have repealed Obamacare. Do you think that that's right? That, I mean, well, it's, it's like interesting. It, I mean, look, I, I think it's quite interesting to have seen that, I mean, Senator Collins, you know, and Senator Murkowski, where those are states where we have thousands of patients, you know, and again, I've talked to Senator Murkowski many times about the fact that in many of these rural areas of, of Alaska, there may not be nobody else to see you. They made a stand on this very early on. And, and of course, Planned Parenthood has nothing to do with Obamacare. We were literally have absolutely nothing to do with it. It was simply a vehicle that the Republican leadership thought they could stick in. And I think they listened to two of the most important women senators. Obviously, they crafted well, I mean, a, at this point, every senator is important given what true. the numbers no, are, right? No, that's exactly right. And they crafted a bill without any women senators. And so, uh, you know, who knows what would have happened, but... I believe that this bill has been held up 
um, and the repeal efforts have been stymied in large part because they tried to defund Planned Parenthood as part of it. And it, it, it maybe we'll know at some point if Obamacare <laughs> repeal comes back, or maybe we won't, and it'll just be a question of hypotheticals of history. But it, given where Collins and Murkowski cited uh, their opposition and when they cited and how they cited it, it does seem like maybe they would have supported another version of Obamacare replacement. And, and right, and and that this could have might been have. right. Might have. I mean, I do think it was, again, and I think it it does represent sort of a bigger point, which is, it's politically unpopular to get rid of an affordable health care to two and a half million people every year, and that's what Planned Parenthood is. And I think this is where some of these folks are missing. In Congress, they are so out of touch with women and women voters and women uh, women's health care needs. Obviously, this is the same Congress that's tried to get rid of maternity benefits for millions of women. These are things that just don't make any sense to women. And I was out in Paul Ryan's district, uh, Speaker Ryan's district, where we have three health centers and uh, talking to the women that come to us for care. And they can't figure out what why is he shutting down the place that they come to in Racine, Wisconsin, uh, or trying to shut it down? Because there isn't another uh, alternative. Did they say they like Paul Ryan on other things and they just don't like him on this? Or do they are these people who just don't like Paul Ryan? Well, we, I really didn't actually ask them about all the things they think about Paul Ryan. Although it was fascinating. I mean, one of the women, I was in Kenosha. And she um, she said, look, I, I was a, I have a Planned Parenthood patient. And she had a whole actually very... Um, kind of heart-wrenching story about what the, the care that Planned Parenthood had provided her uh, with a really kind of a, a medical condition that hadn't been detected. She's, she was able to have her children. Because of that, she actually pr- brought her daughter to, wa- to Washington, D.C. to try to meet with Paul Ryan and talk to him. And she said, look, I've always been a supporter of Planned Parenthood, but I've never been a outspoken mm-hmm. or political person. But this, is, this isn't right. And I hear that from women all over the country. There, there were a number of comments in the final week, weeks and days before the Senate vote uh, from people saying, if not for the women, we'd be able to move forward on this. Uh, there's Blake, Blake Farenthold, uh, <laughs> your, your fellow Texan, who uh, said that he's he wanted— not my fellow Texan. <laughs> I mean, he may live in Texas, but— <laughs> a, 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 Another te- Texan. A person who lives in Texas. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. He said that he wanted, uh, mm-hmm. basically, if, if uh, they were men, he would uh, challenge them to a duel. Another one said uh, that he wanted to put— a knot in the women. What does that tell you about where the the opponents of of what was going on are on this overall? It's not just about Planned Parenthood, right? Exactly. It's not just about Planned Parenthood. I think Planned Parenthood is the easiest. It's a symbol for women of affordable health care. And for, since one in five women in the country have been to Planned Parenthood, it's something that is very much, you know, part of part of the sort of the women's women's story in this country. But yes, the efforts that were being made were far beyond defunding Planned Parenthood or ending access to Planned Parenthood. You know, it was, I mean, they're now trying to get rid of the birth control benefit that 55 million women have. They, uh, you know, wanted to make maternity benefits now optional so that the estimates were, I think, at that point, 11 million plus women would lose maternity benefits. It's all part of a bigger story. And so it isn't just about Planned Parenthood. It isn't just about access to safe and legal abortion. It's about access for women to health care writ large. I mean, you song, you know, in the original uh, efforts to pass the Affordable Care Act, there was a fight over maternity benefits. And we all laughed about that later, thinking, oh, how ridiculous that they were saying maternity benefits shouldn't be covered because some men senators said they didn't need them. 
well, we have that same fight going on again, which is absolutely crazy in this country. At, at this point, with what you have seen, uh, especially in these last couple months, uh, Planned Parenthood is a nonpartisan organization, but mm-hmm. I think everybody knows you're a pretty proud Democrat. You campaigned hard for Hillary Clinton and other Democrats. Does it make sense to you how a woman can be a Republican at this point? Oh, sure. I mean, I think, I mean, we, again, we have a lot of staff here that are Republicans. We have board members that are Republicans. Again, they have, they have, you know, sort of an economic view or other, you know, have other issues. But on this issue, they absolutely, their party has left them behind. And um, so I, and what I don't understand is why this is a partisan issue. I guess I kind of would. But flip it is it. a partisan issue. I mean, it's a it's become a partisan issue, and by given- the party, not by not by. I think, I think you talk to Republicans in this country. I mean, the last poll that I saw right before the House was trying to pass the the um, the bill that would have ended access to Planned Parenthood, eighty percent of the voters in the Quinnipiac poll said that they supported federal funding for Planned Parenthood for preventive services, which is what's at risk. That means literally millions of Republicans in this country. So I actually don't think many the, millions, right? Many I mean, millions, eighty percent. Yeah, I don't. So I don't actually think the Republican Party leadership is listening to the base. And again, this is not a you know West Coast East Coast issue. This is an issue. In fact, poignantly, when I go to states like Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, these are states where in many of these communities, Planned Parenthood is the only affordable women's health care provider. And so I don't actually think the Republican Party is representing uh, the vast majority of Republicans. Uh, I remember uh, in uh, spring of 2016, when I was in the Rose Garden ceremony, when Obama uh, nominated Merrick Garland, um, at Merrick Garland, remember him? <laughs> <laughs> and then walking out of the Rose Garden, standing on the driveway of the White House, and seeing you scoot into the West Wing lobby right afterwards. Uh, oh, I remember. I, I, I kind of forgotten that day, but I was a lot of. Uh, Mer- I wasn't scooting Mer- in. I'm sure I was walking in no, proud sure. of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean to say that yeah. was, you were you were in a hurry, but a lot of people uh, going to the West Wing lobby are in a hurry. I tweeted a photo of you walking in. I said, oh, there you goes did? Cecilia. Yes. Well, you know, t- follow me on Twitter, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Note but, to file. Note to file. Uh, okay. um, but when I did, one of the reactions that came from a lot of conservatives was, oh, there goes Cecile Richards, Planned Parenthood, right in to check up on Merrick Garland and see where things are. What, what happened in that? Uh, I mean, I, maybe you don't remember that day, but like, why would you have been called into the White House right after that happened? Well, I think if I remember that day, you know, when I'll go back and, but I, if I remember that day, it was, uh, it was because fifteen I, months at least. Again, yeah, right? I mean, I think there were there were at least a dozen or twenty, you know, leaders of different organizations that I think most of us didn't know anything about Merrick Garland. So I actually think it was just an effort to educate people about this is a nominee who is going forward. Obviously, people would want to know about his position on, but it wasn't a meeting to go through, you know, uh, you know, every every issue. Uh, Merrick Garland was just the president to say, I'm, I'm making this appointment and we're going to try to get it done. And but I look, I had I, I had, you know, meetings at the White House. I had meetings with the Department of Health and Human Services. I had, you know, all during that administration. And sometimes they were meetings in which I was in agreement with what the administration was doing. And sometimes I was not. Because I believe my job is to represent the millions of people who come to us for care and many, many more who we may not see, but who depend on having access to affordable health care. Boy, I, I mean, 
I, I think that's just that's part of what we're supposed to be doing. The, the uh, that seat obviously is now never went to Merrick Garland. It's uh, Neil Correct. Gorsuch got that appointment. Do you worry about in a real way uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned by the Supreme Court? I absolutely do. I mean, this is a we now have a court. You know, given all the things that you've just you know d- described, that is, you know, very very narrowly divided on this issue. Uh, and I, you know, I, a lot of women around this country are worried that, that, you know, Roe sort of hangs by a thread, but even beyond that, the Supreme Court, and again, I, you know, I believe strongly that this is, this is established law. Now this has been the law of the land for more than 40 years. And if, if judicial precedent has, is in fact something that we believe in, we should, we should apply that to, uh, this to Roe as well. But around the country, given what's happening in state legislatures uh, across the country, for many women, they may have a constitutional right, but one that is very, very hard to access. So I'm as concerned about what's happening in the divide of, you know, you know your, your ability to access safe and legal abortion, your ability to access birth control, even to Planned Parenthood, now increasingly may depend on your, your zip code. And that's wrong. But, I mean, you think that's the real thing, that people should feel like, obviously not with the current makeup of the Supreme Court, right. given the way things have been, but if there were, if President Trump gets a few more appointments, uh, if one, two, uh, that this is a real possibility that could come soon? Yeah, I think I think that the risk to safe and legal abortion and the risk to a whole lot of other things that that, that have been established law, I think could be at risk. I, I don't know. Obviously, can't pre- predict the future. All we can do is continue to do everything we can to make sure that that folks have access to care and that, you know, federal nominees to the court um, up and down are questioned about how they believe how they feel about women's rights. And look, I don't think I'm the only person concerned about it. That's why you had the largest marches in the history of the United States the morning after the inauguration, you know, four million plus people. And not just in Washington D.C., but all across yeah. the country. Marching. I think it was four million just in Washington. Yeah, um. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was the largest thing I'd ever seen. But I mean, I do believe that was a reflection of the concern that women and men have, because there was a lot of dads and grandfathers and brothers and sons marching as well, concerned about um, what this administration might do to women's rights. From your perspective, you've become more of a public figure over the course of the last couple of years and very much uh, identified with these issues. Do you feel threatened ever? Do you feel like the incoming is gets intense in what you have to deal with? Well, obviously, I don't read Twitter, so since I missed missed your tweet, I, mean, <laughs> I, I have to recommend only one Twitter. Feed. There we go. Okay, I'll just narrow <laughs> probably, it down. Probably contractually, Politico's Twitter feed too. Excellent, excellent. Okay, I narrow it down. Uh, look, I am um, I'm so proud of this organization, proud of what we do, and mainly proud of the clinicians and staff around the country that, no matter the political environment, continue to provide health care to folks, uh, and so I. I would say, actually, a lot of people do ask me that, like, what's it like and on the street? And they worry about me. You know, I'd say 99% of the people who stop me on the street, and they do all the time, um, because, as you say, just because this issue and sort of Planned Parenthood has been the news. You've got recognizable blonde hair. There we go. Exactly. (laughs) Whatever. But they, um, they come up and say thank you. And they say, and many, many times they will come up and say they want to tell me, actually exactly when they went to Planned Parenthood, you know, what they needed, the care they got, and they're so appreciative. And so that actually is the, I mean, that's just the overwhelming um, feeling. And it 
it's um, it's very humbling, actually. Is it weird? I mean, you, you grow up with your mother as governor and, and seeing her in public life, but you, it's been a more gradual process of becoming a public figure. Has that adjustment been strange at all, or it's just sort of it happened gradually so you don't think about it? Well, some events <laughs> have been stranger than others, like having to appear before Congress for hours and be questioned and things like that, where you, but, um, no, I mean, look, I, I've always been an organizer. I've always been someone out. I've, I've had the privilege of working on either for organizations or on causes that I felt like help people's lives. And so for me, the interesting thing about Planned Parenthood, what I guess I have learned in these 10 years I've been here, is that we reach into every corner of this country. It is just so amazing to be able to go to, you know, talk to women in Tennessee or go see women in Juneau, Alaska, or visit with young people in, you know, um, in Los Angeles, and the only common thread is that Planned Parenthood has been part of their life, and that is, that if there's anything that's that has been sort of shocking, it's just to realize how deep and broad this organization goes. And I want to come back to the threat question, because, you know, we're sitting in the offices here, there's security here, it's mm -hmm. pretty intense. I mean, it must be something that is a big factor in the organization's thinking, and I have to imagine in your thinking, too. I mean, I think when I think about security or, you know, threats, I really think about our clinics because I think most of the people that are out there trying to do harm to women are trying to do harm to doctors. And, and, and look, there are... Have you had to step up those investments uh, of late or not? Um, we have. I mean, we monitor very closely what's happening. And the rhetoric can be very, you know, as you know, I mean, mm -hmm. the rhetoric that, frankly, was carried by a lot of Republicans in Congress. Um eventually um, led to the shooting outside of one of our clinics uh, in Colorado. So we do take it very seriously. And I do think, you know, words matter and what people say um, about us and about our patients and our doctors matter. But that's where we really, if, we, if we've redoubled our efforts, it's to ensure that, you know, the most important thing is that our patients are safe and, and they have a great experience and that our doctors and clinicians are safe. And I just, um, it, it's amazing to go uh, to areas, I mean, where, you know, our patients have to walk through protesters that no one should have to walk to just to access health care in America. But but they do. And I'm proud of the folks that are there on the other. What do you tell the side. people who are working in those clinics? I mean, and I mean, I assume that sometimes it's a rough day uh, yeah. for them. And those protesters are, uh, are they're very, very strong. They're and, very unpleasant. Yes. Well, and I mean, they, they yeah. have a, a very strong point of view and they make it known, um, even if they're not being violent. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, our folks are, um, they're, they're used to it, and I think they feel, I think there's a really interesting article that just came out this week uh, of a, one of our clinics in Nassau County, and, and, and the women talking about what it's like to go through those lines, but then they get inside, and then it's it's such a safe place, and they're so proud of what they do, and they give solidarity to each other, and I mean, it is why you just, you, you just can't help but meet Planned Parenthood clinicians and not be kind of totally moved and really blown away by their commitment. We also have, you know, um, thousands of escorts, folks who come and help women get through really particularly nasty picket lines. Uh, and some of these are, you know, older men who have been literally doing this for decades. They look like my, my grandfather. And they are, 
they are some of the bravest people. And even after the circumstances in, in Colorado, I'll never forget because that was a horrible, horrible day, probably my worst day at Planned Parenthood. And, you know, we finally were able to ascertain that the shooter had been apprehended and that all of our, our folks in our clinic had gotten out safely. And we went on the phone that night. Uh, we did a call with all of the national team every every uh, CEO to say, what do we want to do tomorrow? Because, you know, the next morning was Saturday and clinics were due to open. And it was unanimous. Every CEO said, there's going to be women that are, that are expecting us to be open and we're going to be open. And not only did every clinic open, and not only were women actually waiting outside of our clinics hoping that we'd be open, every single escort showed up uh, to work that day. And I, I think that just speaks volumes about the caliber of the people that do this work. Have the first six months of the Trump administration been what you expected them to be on the issues that you uh, care about? Much worse. They've been much worse. I mean, this is, again, as you said, President Trump said during this campaign that he knew thousands of women who've been helped at Planned Parenthood and all the important work that we did. And so I thought, well, maybe there is an opportunity for someone to actually have an open mind and really think about the important care and, and that we need to do more of it. You know? Did you believe that from him? And you've been think, around politics a long time. No, I think he was it? saying, I think, I mean, I thought, and I still believe, he does know that. He does know that. Um, and now he's become just a politician like everybody else and is, you know, I think really not thinking about the women out there who are counting on him. Uh, the first, his first full day in office, he executed the, the worst global restriction on women's health and maternal health care that we've ever seen, the, 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 you know, what's known as the global gag rule, but more expansive than ever before. His budget is outrageous in terms of women's health. These health care bills, I mean, again, not only that they were going to get rid of Planned Parenthood, but maternity benefits, birth control, care for millions of women on Medicaid. This has not been an administration to me that has either, that has lifted up women in any way um, and, in fact, has gone after our access to care um, you know, every day. I know you don't love talking about it, but Ivanka Trump did reach out to you. Yes, right? she did. No, and I talked to her. And have you talked to her since? Nope, that was it. I, I mean, I. I, I mean, what do you what do you make of the fact that that she reached out to you? You had that conversation, right? And then what you've seen? Well, I mean, so I'll talk to anybody about Planned Parenthood <laughs> at any time, and and you know, the, I, at that point she wasn't working in the administration, um, so I sat down with her. I told her everything about Planned Parenthood. She seemed to be very sympathetic. I think she, I'm sure, I don't know if she's ever been a Planned Parenthood patient, but clearly she knew women who had been, and she knew the great care that we pro provided. So yes, I had high hopes that she would be an advocate for us or for women that we serve, but that hasn't happened. Subsequently now, of course, she's in charge of all women's issues in the White House. I think she's one of the highest ranking women in this administration. Um, and it's been... Um, it's just been terrible. So have I don't you tried to reach out to her since. I haven't. Why not? Uh, I mean, she—that is her portfolio. It's part of her portfolio. She's—I uh, think most people would agree the most yeah, well, important I I, advisor I in the White House. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could. I just—I feel like the—you know—talk is talk is cheap, right? It's actually what are the actions we're seeing and what we've seen of this administration have been, you know, from day one, have had both barrels aimed at women, and uh, but and, you know. You make a good point. You make a good point. When you look at what happened in the campaign and what last year and what happened since, what does it tell you about the role of women in politics going forward? I, I just I believe if we had more women in Congress, 
if we had more people in office that could get pregnant, we wouldn't be fighting about these issues. And that has just been so profound to me. Because when I look at the Senate, you think of the women who are fighting. We talked about the two Republican women. You see Patty Murray. You see Kamala Harris. You see, I mean, I could go down the list. These are women who are outsized in, in terms of their work and their influence. And I just think we have to have greater parity. It's been wonderful to see thousands of women now saying they want to run for office. I think it would be good. Would Do you think that the 2020 uh, Democratic ticket needs to have a woman on it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know who, but <laughs> I think there's a number of qualified women. And it would help. I just, I know the difference it makes. Not that all women agree on everything, but women get things done. And women have a particular point of view. Look, I've seen the difference it makes to have three women on the Supreme Court right now. It is night and day. I mean, they literally can bring a different perspective and have uh, to the proceedings of the highest court in the, in the land. And that's something I'll never forget and, and will always be grateful to President Obama for. All right, Cecile Richards, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, good to see you. Thank you. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Bridget Mulcahy, for making all this happen, and our intern, Rachel Cusick. Remember to subscribe and rate us. So many more interesting people coming up. Catch you next time on Off Message.